watching around the world on and brought to you by Lord Movie Studios. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Gonna take it easy tonight. Um, and just have a six pack of beer. <laughs> Are you sure that's good for you in your old age? Before we get there, I've got to be, I've got to get beer three. One moment. My goodness. Okay. This is podcasting. <laughs> this is the culprit. He's so big. That brought you into <laughs> the world of Max and Jason watching movies. JR. What a cute cat. Well, none of us got what we wanted with Attack of the Clones. Well, that was so now, now suddenly I feel very unprepared. <laughs> I don't even know if we'll get to the movie today. He said that with such a sad face. Welcome to Max and Jason Watch a Movie. I'm Max, and tonight we are going to try something a little new. There was an idea that we would bring together the best podcast hosts that we could to do the job that no one podcast host could tackle. And to that end, we brought back Anya, my daughter, to be a co-host for Black Widow. That's what we're doing today, but I'll let Jason cover that in a second. I'm Max. I'm Anya. And I'm Jason. And today, we will be reviewing Black Widow. I believe still in theaters now, or is recently left, from, but it's from 2021, starring Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, O.T. Fagbenel, Olga Kurlienko, William Hurt, Ray Winstone, and Rachel Weiss, uh, directed by Kate Shortland. Jason, what production notes do you have for us? Have you have you done any deep diving into the production of the film? Well, I I, I did. Um, uh, I guess we kind of have to break it up a little bit. That in the early days of the Marvel Universe, in the early two thousands, Avi Arad was was kind of the producer of record. And actually, the uh, Black Widow was mentioned as a film to be done at that time. I, I, and I guess that uh, David Hater was mentioned as a possible director at that time. He was uh, a, a a writer that worked on the X-Men films. Okay. Yeah, with Brian Singer. But uh, it didn't really go anywhere. And so the film kind of stayed, the idea for the film kind of stayed on the shelf for a long time. Then the Black Widow was introduced in Iron Man 2. Uh, Scarlett Johansson got the role. And apparently there were conversations for a long time about a standalone film uh, for her. But it, but it never, uh, uh, for the Black Widow and uh, for Scarlett Johansson. But but uh, it never really happened until now, until, until after Avengers Game and as being a part of the phase four, I believe, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So they they felt that the time was right. Certainly in this period, you know, this era of hashtag me too and various social movements, there's definitely been a female empowerment movement in cinema, which we have discussed. Yeah. Uh, actually in the last series of television episodes that we discussed in uh, the Masters of the Universe series. This film definitely uh, is, is part of that new cinematic trend. And, and some people would say that it's a little bit overdue. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's been a part of this series for a while, since 2010, I believe, was Iron Man 2. Okay. And she's played the role in, in, in numerous Marvel films since then. Been one of the most popular characters in, in the series. This is her first standalone film. And uh, as I said, some some would say that it was overdue, but uh, we're going to review it tonight. Yes. Written by Eric Pearson, 
he's the uh, credited screenplay writer, and Jack Schaefer and Ned Benson uh, get the story by credits. Now, Anya, tell us a little bit about The Black Widow and tell us what you've learned and what you think about the story elements of the film. Yeah, well, I felt like this movie was pretty heavily influenced by um, the 2016-2017 run on Black Widow by Chris Samney and Mark Wade, which was amazing. But I'm going to tell you guys the plot of it and I want you to tell me if it reminds you of the movie. Okay. Okay, so she's approached by strangers telling her about her past. The Red Room's still alive. She gets attacked by a little girl that's a mirror image of her. And then she finds out that the daughter of the headmistress of the Red Room has restarted the whole project. The daughter's name is Anya, by the way. Ah, ah. A classic villain's name. (laughs) <laughs> yes, a Russian villain name. But she she acts like a spy. She does kind of immoral immoral things mm-hmm. and isn't your typical good guy in this book. On your Black Widow. Oh, both. Okay. But I'm talking about Black Widow. Gotcha. Um, but so the Red Room had been restarted, but all of the people in the Red Room were little girls, like nine to 12 year olds. Oh, wow. And then eventually she finds them and she saves them and she kicks ass. But I thought that was really similar to the movie. It just like tweaked a few things. But I thought it was more powerful that the subjects of the Red Room were so young. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I can see how that could be quite a twist, having kids kill people, you know, uh, and be vicious little killers, you know, because it reflects the reality of little kids being awful. <laughs> Joke yourself flat. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll cut that out, or I'll add a lot more laughter in the... Uh, in the uh... Laugh track. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh It'll have to be a sad laugh track because that's how I feel after that after that joke just like failed. But no, I mean that is I mean that's kind of a it's often a scary tro- uh, trope in horror movies and in in this kind of cinema too. Like Children of the Corn did it, you know, a lot of I other. I think things. it also talks about how vulnerable and malleable little kids' minds are. Yes. How yeah. how it can be taken advantage of so easily, which uh, is, I thought was so much scarier than what happened in the movie. Well, uh, well, I I have a question for both of you okay. i mean i mean even though i mean max between you and i i was the avengers reader and and the black widow was a member of the avengers for a while but it wasn't for very long i always remembered her as being more active in the daredevil yes universe. yes the red room but this is my question the red room what was the genesis of that idea? Is that was that a, a, a later development? Does that go back to the early days of Marvel? Does do either of you have any answers about uh, or any insight into that? I uh, think that it wasn't originally part of her history, but it was retconned pretty early. And I, the Red Room also the writers wrote in this thing where they had implanted a lot of false memories in her, so it made it really easy for writers to go back and kind of retcon. I think whatever they wanted. Yeah, yeah. It looks like the first appearance of the Red room uh, origins was in the late 90s it's the first time the idea of it seems to pop up in Black widow was uh created in the 60s so. yes 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 yeah. I, I don't think they had anything about yeah the black widow uh first appears in tales of suspense uh 52 number 52 in 1964 and i think she she begins as a bad guy but we all know that story and and this this movie kind of explores that part of her backstory her initial russian agentness what year in the 90s did it show up I think it said, uh, let me see, let me back up. First appearance, Black Widow, Volume 1, Number 2, June 1999. That's Uh, the same year that Yelena Belova debuted. Is it? Well, Yelena makes her first appearance in, I think, the Marvel Knights 
short story. No? Inhumans number five. Inhumans number five? What? (laughs) Weird, right? Well, well, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Yelena Belova. I don't believe it. I'm double checking. Her first appearance was Inhumans number five. What year? 1999. She was created by Devin Grayson and J.G. Jones. Okay, okay. I was thinking Inhumans number five from the 60s, and I was like, there's no way Yelena Belova was from early run of the Inhumans. You had me like questioning everything about my life. No, she's a, a product of the 90s for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's interesting. You were uh, so the other the other key comic book characters from that run though were the woman you you told me was named Iron Maiden on you. Yeah, that's Melina's character. I don't have as much about her. Yeah. Um, but she came out in 1983. It's created by Ralph Macchio and George Perez, and she's often portrayed as a just a villain of uh, Black Widow. Okay. Well, they're not they're not friends no no the, this film does alter a lot of the old story elements it turns the red guardian anya pointed this out to me today i won't steal your thunder but uh go ahead tell us who the red guardian was in the comics well jason <laughs> the red guardian was actually natasha romanoff's first husband in the comic books really yeah he came out in uh 1967 and they were set up by the kgb and then they later faked his death so that he could become the red guardian and that's in the original stories i think what set her down the road of becoming like a spy a hero okay. a bad spy a bad spy okay so he defected first no no he was still working for the russian government okay, but okay. the red guardian okay now that Red Guardian is dead and gone in the Marvel Universe. He's in the Book of the Dead. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he died. And there's a new person in the role, a woman who is a neurosurgeon, actually. I, I'm wondering if Melina isn't a combination of re- the second Red Guardian and this Iron Maiden character. It sounds like that, maybe. Yeah. Jason, it looks like you have something to say. Well, you know, I'm trying to remember. I actually didn't, uh, in the comic, she did have a romance with Tony Stark for a while. Yeah. Natasha Romanoff, yes, she's had a romance with Tony Stark. I think I wrote down everybody that she had dated because I thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. I I might not have. It's it's a list. Hawkeye, Hercules, Bucky, and Spider-Man. Spider-Man? She reverted to a different identity like one of her covers nancy rushman and that's when they were dating wow well peter did like the older woman he did he dated betty brant when she was when he was in high school and she was working for the daily bugle and she had she graduated from college that's a little strange peter's trying so so she dated peter yeah Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, They hinted at the, they didn't do much with the Hercules romance. That happened in The Champions. And that was a book that didn't have a lot of time to develop a lot of stuff because it was such a strange book. And yeah, ten ten issues, ten issues. I I, I had some of them. Yeah. Yeah. uh, found it to be interesting that there was this this defunct group that didn't go anywhere, but uh, you know, but but it was still part of the continuity. So yeah. Well, I actually I bought the I had more than a few uh, issues of it. Yeah, no, it's, I, I thought it was an interesting book. Uh, audience, for those of you who don't know, how could you? I mean, it was not a very long-lived book. The champions were Iceman, Angel, Hercules, Ghost Rider, and Black Widow. And I think that's that that's... such a cool team. It is, it is. And for, oh, yeah. a while, for a little while, Goliath would help them out with their tech issues. Not well, because they always had tech issues. And they always had funding issues as well, which was strange. So so, so they, they, they make Red Guardian, the father. They make Iron 
Iron Maiden, who was kind of a villain in the comics, into the mom. And they they definitely seem to want to set everything on... They want to make one person more culpable for all of the bad things that these people do than the actual people. Then, then I say Iron Maiden, Yelena and Natasha. They certainly seem to be... It's The movie seems to be going out of its way to make sure they don't seem as culpable for the bad things that they do. That's kind of... That kind of irritated me a little bit. We can talk about that, but... We'll get uh, to it, yeah. Did you guys want to... Could I tell you a little bit about uh, Yelena's comic book history? Please do, please Please. do. Yeah. Uh, Well, hers is really interesting, and it seems like uh, the MCU Yelena is going to have a much happier life. (laughs) Oh, good. Earth 616. So she was raised by the Red Room. She was an assassin, and when she defected she became a sex worker and then she would help female sex workers and then she would also distribute aids medicine and then somehow she starts fighting the avengers and she switches over the bad guy good guy line like a lot and she wanted to be the new black widow and natasha does this horrible thing where she's like um takes selena against her will and they do a face-off surgery so that oh. Yelena has Natasha's face and Natasha has Yelena's face wow. so that Yelena can know what it really feels like to be the target. And it was an involuntary thing. Yeah. Which was horrible. That's pretty mean, Natasha. Pretty mean. Um, and then she, uh, later on, I think she gets manipulated by the Dark Avengers, like Norman Osborn and stuff. Yeah. And he tries to kill Spider-Woman, which is where she dies. Yeah. But then there are clones of Yelena. And Natasha kills them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. They, they are, they are, the, the MCU does seem to be setting her up for a happier life. I just, after reading about all these characters, I was uh, shocked just by how different they were in the movie. It was there was a lot of uh, there were a lot of changing. This this to me does seem like the 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 film where the interpretations seem most radically different sometimes than the comic book interpretations. I'm not saying that that's good or bad or anything like that. But as I was reading today, I was like, well, that's really it was all really different. Audiences who have seen the movie by now will all know, and we'll get to it as the movie goes on. But the Taskmaster was the was the one that was probably the most blatant change. And like I said, I I, I do enjoy this ta- I, I do enjoy this Taskmaster, but it is different than it is a really radical departure from the comic book Taskmaster. Now, Jason, you should know something about the Taskmaster as an Avengers fan. Oh, I do. Actually, one of the first issues I ever bought included the Taskmaster. It was a wonderful issue uh, uh, that featured uh, Yellow Jacket and Ant Man teaming up and breaking into this mansion to free the wasp who was who had been captured and uh, uh, and the taskmaster ended up being the main uh, the main villain but I actually want to kind of push back against what you just said okay I think we've seen that a lot in the MCU where there's been a lot of changes uh, a lot of recasting of uh, of characters and storylines and and to just to just pluck one out of the air at random would be uh, Baron Zemo from uh, Captain America Civil War. That's a good point. Being a Nazi war criminal is uh, just someone from Sokovia who's angry at the Avengers. I think that, or I would argue, that the MCU has quite effectively, it's not a criticism, been very willing to recast a lot of these characters, a lot of these figures in the same way uh, Christopher Nolan did in in his Batman series, or the way that, that, that uh, you know, a lot of modern comics have done to kind of reimagine and and to reinterpret a lot of these characters uh, kind of in a modern context. I don't think this film really colors outside the lines any more than other areas of the MCU. I, I would push back against that. Anya had something to say, and then I'll say, uh, go ahead, Anya. Oh, I was just going to add to what Jason was saying, that the, the Ant-Man movie was also drastically different than the comic books. That's fair, yeah, yeah. 
what, what I guess what I mean to say is that like, and and, and folks and, and folks and to my co-host too, um, I, I don't necessarily mean this as a criticism. It just, for me, it seems like there is a lot of reinterpretation, more in a single film than I think I'm, I've seen in other films. Now, what you said about Ant-Man is absolutely true, but there was a Scott Lang Ant-Man and, and there, and of course there was a Hank Pym. Now they, the, the big thing that they did in that is they made Hank Pym a lot older, but, and, and so that was a big difference. And, and they also changed some of his origin around but to me there were just so many different interpretations of characters in this film and like i said this isn't a criticism i i, I just noticed it as i was doing my deep dive today before I realized I didn't have to because Anya had done all this research. I was like, oh, fuck, I don't have to know anymore. But, you know, but I didn't take it as a criticism. Okay. Oh, good, good, good. I think knowing you, you're all in favor of artistic license and all of that, as am I. And, and so I don't know if you're front-loading a criticism of the film. You're saying that you're not. But I, but I think a lot of the MCU has done a lot of this. But that's also what makes the series good. Yeah. Because for even readers of the comic, a lot of this stuff ends up being new. Yeah, a lot of it is similar. A lot of the relationships are similar. A lot of the events are similar, but not all of them. And that's what makes it interesting. That's what it's interesting to see the things that are similar, mm. but it's interesting to see the things that are different. And so therefore, and I think that's why the series is so popular. Whether you're a fan of the comic or you're not a fan of the comic, everyone loves it because it's, you know, there's always a lot of uh, suspense and dramatic weight to all of this. Well, uh, I'll front load this and, and it'll explain some of what I'm, I, I am thinking about here. There was a way in which this could have just been bad fan service. Here are the names of the characters that you like. They're nothing like what you... They're nothing like what you wanted them to be, but we're putting the names in there as kind of a sop to fans by by board writers now who don't want to necessarily dive into the trivia of the of the shows. Now I don't think this film is guilty of that because we'll we'll get into why later on. But it, it goes to what you were just saying. The interpretations help invest new audience members while 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 grabbing old audience while, while grabbing the original content fans, uh, the fans of the comic. Oh, I see that. Well, that's different and and but still carrying you along for the story. But this, I, I, what I noticed, what, what I thought I noticed was that this film did a lot more of that in this. Like I said, that, that isn't a criticism. It's just, it was just an observation. Yeah. That, like, if, if you're an, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a Black Widow fan and you were expecting to see Ivan Petrov, uh, Petrov, I think was his name, which was, which was Black Widow's mentor in the Champions fellow who I think helped get her out of Russia when she defected. Oh, you mean from those five people that have read the Champions? <laughs> <laughs> you're addressing yes yes you, you you guys are both right that there 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 is never in the mcu a one-to-one correspondence from the print origins to the to the on-screen origins there just couldn't be for one thing because it's, it's like 75 or more years of story is there any other comic book trivia you want to dive into with us Anya? um I don't think so. I mean, one thing that I thought was cool that, but they had, they did change uh, about her character was that uh, Black Widow is actually as old as Captain America in the comic books. Oh, like yep. her story starts in like the 1940s and then she's given like a, basically like a watered down super soldier serum. Okay. okay. Stopped aging. Which I thought, I mean, I, that would have been really interesting to see done, but I don't, I mean, it doesn't bother me though. Like I, I like how they did her. So, so few people know that. I have a little bit of trivia here too about this. During World War II, Wolverine teamed up with Captain America and Bucky Barnes in Madripoor. 
The two were unaware of his mutation, believing him merely to be extraordinarily lucky and dubbed him Lucky James. One of their first significant missions was to rescue Natasha Romanoff. Yeah. That is the comic book trivia I'll lead with. Uh, Jason, do you have anything you want to say from your Avengers reading days? Uh, anything you think the audiences need to know that you... you... Not not really. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually anxious to get into the series. I mean... I'm interested in everything. Some of the things you guys have said, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's very interesting and admirable that the MCU chose to do it in a different way. Because, oh, yeah. Well, you guys were just both talking about how Natasha and Steve Rogers, Captain America and the Black Widow, you know, the same age. They're actually from the same age cohort. I think that that's, that in itself would be a very interesting dynamic. It's not what the MCU chose to do. No. And, uh, and, and I do think, you know, in our discussion about this film, even though Captain America is not in it, I think that uh, Natasha's relationship with Steve Rogers in the MCU is itself interesting in its own way, because they're both these isolated characters for very different reasons. Yeah. I love them together. That's very interesting. Anyway, film opens on family vignettes in 1995 Five. in Ohio. Of all places for, for three Hoosiers, fucking right. Ohio. Who lived who lived on the Indiana Ohio border? Yeah. That's right. That's right. While I like the font that they used to name the locations, I don't know what that font is called, but I like it a lot. I well, <laughs> I'm not mistaken. They've used this font before, and in fact, they're starting to use it regularly in these. Films. Yes, I mean it's it's becoming a staple of the film, which, I, which of the series, which I like. Quick trivia note: I once wrote a short story about a bionic snail that was set against the backdrop of the Indiana Ohio War, and this story was inspired by me trying to find a pl some place to park in Cincinnati. <laughs> I was so mad at Ohio that I decided to write this this short you story. To go to war with it. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, the the movie opens in Ohio, and we we get this kind of nice vignette of the two little girls, two young young girls. One, how old is Natasha here? She's the older of the two. I'd say she's like twelve, maybe. Yeah. Yelena yeah. is uh, younger, six. Yeah. And it's a very American scene. Norman Rockwell, nineteen ninety five. Those things don't really go together, but okay. No, 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 no. But it's it's a little bit of Americana. It seems like a very American home. Anything you guys want to say about this opening vignette? Well, I mean, I'll 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 jump in uh, because actually I I like the opening a lot. You know, just to kind of set up for where the three of us are going to go from here. I think the film sets itself up very well because this film is about these characters, and we don't know that yet. I, I I'm gathering, you know, whether you're an avid reader of the comic and the Black Widow character or not, you know, it's hard to know where they're going to go with these characters. I think that this opening pre-credit Bondian, pre-credit sequence job of establishing the characters and maybe even the motivations that the two children are going to have later, because I mean, there's, there's a couple things that stick out that are very interesting about Natasha. And, and, and by the way, I think are consistent with how Scarlett Johansson play, has played the character up to this point. And that is that, you know, so this scene, we see the two sisters we see them playing together we see their mother uh, uh interacting with them she seems very attached to them she seems to be very eager to teach them and, and that's all we see initially then they come in for dinner we see the the norman rockwell preparation for dinner circa 1995 we know where they're talking about what they're going to eat and dad's going to sit at the table and he's going to be 
home any minute and all this kind of thing. Dad comes in, whispers to mom that we have to go. Well, within the hour, like it's got to be now. And Tasha is old enough that she recognizes that this is going to end. And it's and I think the film's kind of interesting because it doesn't necessarily lay out for us exactly what's going on in Natasha's mind. She doesn't want this to end. That's that's mostly what we know because there's a little moment when they're about to leave. Natasha reaches for a picture album, and is it her mom stops or her dad stops? Yeah, I can't. Her mom says, "Leave it, leave it." Right, and she doesn't want to do that, even though we find out later that it's fake. She doesn't want to do that. And so we have established in this film that, uh, and, and in this, in the MCU in general, is that Natasha is eager for a place to land. She's she's eager for a place to belong. And and I think that that's very much in keeping with the character that we've seen. And people who listen to this podcast, I'm sure I'm sure they've seen this film and all the other MCU films, or they wouldn't be listening to this. And and I think that I think that Scarlett Johansson and the writers ha- have crafted the character in this way that, that 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 is her motivation. That she really doesn't have a place that she belongs but and she doesn't always admit this the character i mean but that's something that she desperately wants and we see that in her character in this whole bit and then there's kind of the moment where they're driving away and her, and her younger sister plays don mcclain's american pie on audio cassette which... did you know what an audio cassette is <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah oh sorry i thought that song was oh, so symbolic oh yeah yeah, yeah. The whole situation yeah I agree with Jason um, about the whole Natasha thing. I thought that that scene did a really good job of showing that this little kid has something that's on her mind that she's got like a sadness inside her that her sister doesn't. Like the scene where her sister falls down and Melina comes out and kisses her knee and the way she looks at her. It's really sad because she's like, she knows it's going to end and she knows Melina's not going to be there to kiss her, kiss her better. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get the sense guys that, that I thought they were also big it into Melina too. Melina's very good in this role, I think, because she likes the role. And I mean, she even says it uh, before when 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 the dad comes home and says we've got to go. But there's a certain sadness in her too that's that's very reminiscent of what we see in Natasha. But we get more of it. We get more time with Natasha and her sadness. But but I thought they did a. I thought they. I think you guys are both correct that they they do a good job of like the only person who doesn't seem. They're, they're only the, the two people who don't seem to be super upset about it are Yelena and Alexi. Yeah. I do think Alexi is more upset about it than he lets on though. Like I don't know if he's upset about it, but he. I think he enjoyed being there. Uh, well, we get we, we, that comes out later. But but you also get the sense that he doesn't really he didn't really know how bad it was going to be for the girls. Yeah. Which we'll see later. So they've got to go. And that sets up the exit. Go ahead, Jason. Sorry. I, I would add uh, from a um, in terms of cinematography, I think the, I think the whole thing is very well shot. But there's actually a really neat moment that captures visually what you're both talking about when they're in the car and American Pie is playing, and Natasha looks out the window and she sees his foot. It's a very quintessentially American visual of a football game. I assume a Friday night high school football game, and I don't get the impression that Natasha gives a hoot about Friday night football in America. But it's it's visually what it means and it's kind of for me the reason it's beautiful is because it's a moment where cinematically looking through the character's eyes we also are removed from that football game and we feel what she feels that here's this american world over here that she desperately wants to be part of but she can't some of that's most of that at this point in her life is not in her control and the character as time goes on she will never 
be able to have that control. She will never be able to kind of get into that moment where she goes to a Friday night football game. And I, I, I'm reading a lot into it, but in terms of cinematography, I thought that was really beautiful. I thought I thought that, that just that simple shot with the song playing and her little sister, totally clueless, just because cognitively she's not there. Yeah. yeah, she's young, not seeing what this all kinds of mean kind of means. I think that was really really awesome. I I, I loved that. Well, I think that this scene does that. I mean, there's this, these visual cues if you've grown up in America and probably any kind of country, really, that you like and, and enjoy being, even if you're not a football fan, even if you're not into Fourth of July or whatever, there are these little right. visual cues that you kind of like, oh, this is my old small town kind of Americana experience that can be quite touching. This is a nice pre-action credit sequence that sort of pays out some of this uh, mystery that lets us know that we're not getting a typical spy movie, too. This is an MCU movie like when uh they get to the hangar of this like kind of shitty little airfield and alexi moves something that's in the, moves a truck that's in the way of the of the hangar it's like whoa just flipping it over and you're like yeah you know this film sort of plays on a little bit is uh you guys remember the movie the incredibles this is sort of yeah. the dark version of that but i mean because they kind of play on the same imagery i mean dave harbour even looks a little bit like Nelson. Nelson, you know so I, I think that that's kind of clever here and i don't know if the, the director or the writers intended that but i like that and they uh they escape they make it to cuba which is which is you know, which was probably where you go in that little plane that they, they left in the music throughout the entire film reminds me of a james bond movie okay especially the action beats the uh and even the way they do uh, teen spirit in the in the in the credits it's kind of a it's a it's a reinterpretation for a film that I, I I like the reinterpretation of uh, smells like Teen Spirit in this a lot. Is that the one? Yeah. You guys like it? Oh my god, Anya didn't like it. Anya doesn't like it. Oh my god. In my notes, I have this fucking montage. Ugh. You didn't like the montage? I hated what did, it. What didn't you like about the montage? I was upset that we got a montage of the most important events to shape Natasha's life oh. in a montage, when in other movies, it was the whole movie. We need a montage. I was like, and then the, the, the read the song remind do you guys know the band evanescence yes uh, sadly i do i thought it was an evanescence music video like that's what it reminded me of now see yeah. you couldn't do that for me because i was thinking about i was thinking about the the kinds of visual motifs it was borrowing borrowing from i mean i i felt clockwork orange i felt i felt uh it was a frank sinatra movie and then it was a denzel washington movie manchurian candidate no. um, <laughs> i was wrong uh what did you say I said the Equalizer. <laughs> no, it, Equalizer was not a... Frank Sinatra would have been great in the Equalizer, though. Yes. It, it wasn't, that, was, that was Edward Woodward. <laughs> but but they look alike. Uh, look a lot alike. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, no, I get it, Anya. I get it. Okay, okay. Um, cool. It's not an error. It's fine. But but I, I sort of liked this because I sort of... I sort of feel like we know enough about Natasha that we could sort of rush through some of this origin. I'll let you rebut me in a second. But 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 I did I I sort of liked that that brainwashing stuff that they were showing us. They were she, they were all drinking apple juice and they were all watching this uh, Americana so we get kind of a rapid, I guess, recap of some of the stuff that she went through. But we got we got some of this origin in Age of Ultron, right? Quite a bit. And and so we know a little bit about this. And so I didn't mind rushing through that. 
But I, I mean, I do see your point, but this isn't, this isn't really an origin story of Natasha, I don't think. Yeah. Well, why did they choose that song, though? That well, is something well, I wondered, too. I have thought about that. And I think the thought comes from growing up at that time. I think, as I remember it anyway, because I, I mean, I would have been in high school, <laughs> that grunge was kind of this rug pulled out from under pop culture that I didn't I wasn't particularly happy about quite frankly but but it was a big deal and of course that you know that was the Nirvana song that was the launching of that entire movement by Nirvana and you know and it, it was very kind of it, it was catchy but dirty you know you, you had the grinding guitars and all that kind of thing and to have that done in this context without the guitars you know without the kind of punk influence kind of and I liked what you said about the the, the Evanescence uh comparison because it was almost like you know taking grunge and updating it uh with influences that have occurred in pop music since then and creating kind of a musical aesthetic in the credits because she grew up in the 90s it was 1995 is where we just were and, and so when i heard the song i thought oh is this going to be like captain marvel you know is agent colson going to show up i that thought did occur to me because i I'd, I'd forgotten that this was going to be a more or less modern you know uh, uh film and so I felt that what the music or what the, what the use of that song was trying to do was it was trying to take a 90s song, a 90s pop song. And Kurt Cobain would hate that I said that, but he called it, I called it a pop song. <laughs> but it is. And by taking a 90s pop song that to young people in the 90s would have been a symbol of, of a song that was about being detached from the culture, uh, 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 being being stripped from your family of origin, perhaps, or maybe you're in your family of origin and it's dysfunctional. You know, that was all that was a big part. You know, Pearl Jam had the song Jeremy, which is about, you know, school shootings and so forth. Like that was a big part of the grunge artistic kind of message. And so I found it to be based on the scene that we just saw. I found it to be a, a, a very apt choice. But I think that's also, that's coming from growing up in that time and remembering, I mean, I, mean, I know you're familiar with that music, Anya, I'm not suggesting that you're not, but I mean, growing up in that time, I remember what people said about it. I remember what, I mean, uh, uh, and you know, people that were my age and your dad's age and younger and their, their response to that music. And so I felt that the use of the song, the, the, the updated version of it but by a female voice for this film. And yes, even the montage. I I love the credits. I, I thought that they did a nice job of catching us up on the stuff that we needed to say. I didn't know if I thought that the first time I saw it. I have to confess, when I first saw the film, it was my least favorite Marvel film. Whoa! Aha! Whoa! My least favorite Marvel film. He said that with such a sad face. I was he sad did. to say he it. He did. I, I was sad to say it. As I was... Now, there was... Now, that isn't to say, like... I mean, it's a strong field. And I didn't hate the movie. Not like, say, Wonder Woman 1984, which I detest. But uh, I can say that in your company, Anya. You can take that news. Finn and your mother cannot, I don't think. So I... I I, I'm, I, I, it's our little secret because my wife doesn't listen to my show. Um, <laughs> but as I was watching it tonight, uh, the second time, I mean, I, this is, I, 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 I've only seen it like twice, right? I enjoyed it a lot more and I suspect it's going to creep on me the same way that Captain 
America, the first Avenger did, which I liked the first time I saw it, but I didn't see its brilliance the first time I saw it. But I was thinking about this this weird song tonight. Um, audience, I'm sorry. I, I suspect this is going to be the longest episode in the history of Max and Jason Watch a Movie because we've barely gotten into the film. Um, you might get a two-parter, audience, or I'll cut out everything Anya and Jason say and I'll just leave my verdict at the end. But it's a weird song and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But 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 there are some verses that that's, that do stand out to me in a way that it might have appealed to Natasha Romanoff. There's this uh, load up on guns, bring your friends. It's fun to lose and to pretend she's overboard and self-assured. I mean, oh no, I know a dirty word. I mean, there's a lot of weird just it, stuff that Kurt Cobain did, I think, that was like a, it, I'm putting this in here because it rhymes, not necessarily because it makes sense. That was his style. Well, and, and in some ways that's sort of what Natasha's life is. It's this, it's this world that doesn't really make a lot of sense. The last line in the song is a denial, a denial, denial of denial and it goes it repeats a few more times like that but another verse i'm worse at what i do best and for this gift i feel blessed our little group has always been and always will until the end i mean i when you read the song it doesn't sound particularly brilliant to me, but but there are uh, but there are these like there are these like little stanzas that I, I I feel are totally appropriate to Natasha Romanoff's life. But actually, I would argue in one sentence you could have said more than what I brilliantly said in in like seventeen. <laughs> I I had not thought of that, and you're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I think those lines absolutely uh, move with the film even more than I thought. I knew you, you, you have your, your Anya. You have your hand up. Let me call on you. <laughs> Uh, well, I think I think my main complaint with this montage is that they put so much important information in the movie into it that if you're not paying attention and you don't know what to look for, you're going to lose a lot of information you might need. Like the first time I watched it, I wasn't quite sure who the bad guy was, but then the second and third time I watched it, he was all over the montage and I didn't notice that the first time. I, yeah, same experience with me. Yeah, uh, but let this be a lesson to you, audience. When you're at the theater, put your fucking phone away. This isn't Anya. This isn't Anya I'm talking about, but like Anya's talking about if you're not paying attention, you might miss some things. I would like, I would like the audience that's listening to to pay attention to films the way we pay attention to movies. I was paying attention though. I and I and I know that you were. And and but what I but I but I'm attacking our listeners, Anya, not you. <laughs> destroy our podcast why are you doing this <laughs> <laughs> i'll cut it out maybe but but no i i no i get that too i i don't think i noticed i don't think i necessarily noticed as much on the first viewing as i did on the second but in this in the opening credit sequence we we meet the bad guy Drakeoff, and he's played by ray winston and it's it's always a mixed blessing for me when i say when i see ray in a film i call him ray because we're buds but i like the actor so much but he's almost always a bad guy. He betrays Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones Four, which I know I know all audiences will remember immediately. But but he's a great actor, and and he immediately cottons to Natasha when they when they see her on the airfield in Cuba because Natasha snaps. I will kill you all. Yeah, yeah, and justifiably so because nothing confirms her suspicions more about her change in life experience than the behavior of the Russian soldiers when they get to Cuba. One of them just brushes her aside when she's trying to help a woman she keeps calling mother or mom, whatever it is. And they even, it, it, but when they knock Yelena down, that's when uh, Natasha's like, oh, I'll kill you all. And she takes a gun from somebody and uh, and then sadly is talked down by uh, Alexei. Well, speaking of talk down, I mean, maybe you guys will have to talk me down from any of the praise 
uh, that I give this film. But actually, you, you just to continue my praise, and, and I guess we're back, we're back into the pre-credit sequence, but which is fine. I love it. Oh, no. But, um, but I, no, this is a fantastic moment. The scene that, that you're both talking about uh, when she says, "I'll kill you all," and 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 you're talking about it from the from the point of view of the main villain, who's very impressed with her. But actually, and, and, and I know this, you know, going back to the production notes a little bit, uh, Scarlett Johansson, as executive producer of the film, did want this film to reflect hashtag Me Too, that it reflect what was going on in the culture. And I feel that this scene does a really good job, a really good job of demonstrating childhood trauma, where the adults surrounding Natasha have absolutely no clue how this is affecting her psychologically. Because, I mean, actually... I think one of the most brilliant but repulsive moments of the movie is when uh, Alexi, her who she sees as her father, uses that that father bond that he had developed with the kids to calm her down, and then she's she and her sister are both sedated in a way that bothers us. Oh, but everybody yeah. there on that airfield are just kind of like, okay, well they're they're knocked out now. It doesn't mean anything to them, but to Natasha and to her sister. Although I mean, we, we know about it. More more from Natasha's point of view, that this is a foundational robbing of everything that they know. Before that happens, Melina says, don't let them take your heart to Natasha. Yeah, yeah. She's somebody who who does care, but is feels somewhat. I, I get the sense that she feels powerless to do much about any of it. But but she says that. But after they get sedated, I was a little horrified by Alexi's reaction. Just kind of the well, it's over, it's fine. I don't. The only way anything he does is forgivable for me is if he doesn't realize how bad it really is for them. He tells them it's going to be okay. My daughters are fighters, and then he. But then it's over. It, it's it's very businesslike for him. Drakoff says, oh, who is she? She's a fighter. She's got spirit or some shit that, that he says, that asshole says. But uh, what did you think? Uh, Ani, did you have anything you want to add here? I don't mean to... I I do kind of think that in that scene, because I'm watching it again, um, Alexi, after the sedated, he picks up the stuffed animal that they dropped and he's holding it and kind of messing with it yeah. while he's talking to Drakov. And then Drakov's like, who is she? And then he is like looking where the kids are and he says, Natasha. Yeah. And I don't think that he knew what to do. Like, that might be I mean, he's, we, we do learn later on, he's very much motherland, very much not like Drakov, we'll find out. Yes, but yeah, but you guys noticed something I didn't, because I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I so, so it was kind of built into him that he didn't, Anya, what you were saying, he doesn't know how to respond, but maybe there was an impulse that he resisted. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so we speed through the the montage that Anya despised. We're going to move on past the Evanescence reminiscences. And then we get one of the things that I think is actually really clever. Uh, General Ross, Thaddeus Ross, Thunderbolt, is about to attack Natasha. And when I first saw this, I thought, well, this is a little early for another big action scene. You know, I thought we were going to get like an action scene like Bucky and Cap escaping the people trying to arrest Bucky. And I thought it was really clever and it was really drawing on some of those really great spy spy films and instead of the spy coming into the from the cold this spy is going out it's the end of three we're seeing the beginning of the end of three days of the condor here which i kind of dig uh I, but but anyway so general ross has got like a special ops team he's gonna attack natasha and natasha's try tries desperately to get him to back off and she's a little worried about his health and when they when they come in 
and they run to the bathroom where they think she's at. She emerges from a bathroom thousands of miles away in dun-dun-dun, Norway. Marvel font. I thought it was a nice little bait and switch. It, it was some character development. And we, we get our first sense of Natasha's kind of sadness. Natasha's not happy, you know? And, and that's one of the things that I think that the film does really well. It does demonstrate that there's a melancholy aspect to Natasha these days. Her jokes aren't her jokes aren't as fun as they used to be. They're sort of, there's a hint of sadness in, in just about everything that she does in this movie, honestly. What did you guys think of this bit here? It was fine. <laughs> Thank you, Anya. Uh, but but so we see she's she's on the run. She's she's trying to make a new life. She doesn't know where any of the other Avengers are, and she's trying to get a new ID. She's trying to go underground. She's done with all of it. Here, um, I'll, I mean, I, I guess I'll telegraph. To every, I mean, I'm big admirer of Scarlett Johansson. I think that she's a, a, an excellent performer, and I think that there's. Uh, and it was only the second time I watched it, not the first time. Mm-hmm. But when she uh, uh, she flicks the the cell phone into the water. There's a little moment in her face that what I saw was this is what my imagination said. Okay, Steve and Tony and you know all of their numbers were in that phone and Clint, you know her best friend Hawkeye. And and when she flicked it into the water, there was kind of this. Well, that's done. And there's a brief flicker of pain, and then she just kind of turns away. And you get the sense she's she maybe she's done this 50 times in her in her young life. Yeah. I, and, and and I just felt that that little moment said a lot. Well, she does a thing too in that moment. I didn't notice this in the first time. There's a hesitation before she pushes the the the, the, the phone. It lingers off. on her hand a little bit. She starts to push it. She stops, and then into the into the drink it goes. So yeah, and that's when we we she gets to this really shitty looking trailer. Go ahead, Jason. I mean, not Jason. Anya. Before she gets to the trailer, actually, um, we meet Elena. Oh, right, right. Can I say some stuff about this scene? No. Jason, what were you going to say? <laughs> Go ahead, obviously, yes. All right, so we meet Elena. She's still assassinating, and she's chasing another widow who she kills and then hits her with the anti-brainwash spray. Oksana hits Yelena with that. Yes, yes. Which I thought felt too easy. Did you really? I was like, all right, we have bad girl Yelena. She gets hit with the spray. We don't know where it came from. And all of a sudden she's a good person. No, I don't think that that's right. I, I'm going to I'm going to delete you from the show on it. Yeah, I think she's I, right. I agree with her. No, no, because because Yelena explains this later on. Later on, not here. But we I don't need thought, to know that here. I just thought it was kind of lazy. I, I, I get what she's saying, I think. I... I because the thought had when I watched it the second time, the thought did occur to me that that it, it it's done bang bang. It's done very quick. See, I I think I thought that the first time I saw it, but or I think I maybe I don't know if it bothered me when this happened. It's, there's an intense fight. The, on your, they're trying to get this woman. We don't even know why they're trying to kill this woman. Oksana yeah. is her name. When uh, they have their fight, Yelena gets the better of her and Chill. is about to finish her off. And when she turns her over. She hits her with the gas. Oksana does. And there's a moment where Yelena is recalibrating and then she's like, Oksana. And she drops to her knees immediately. There's this, I, I, for me, what that conveyed was that there was this breaking of whatever that control was, whatever that thing that overrode her own moral sense was. I, I it didn't bother me as much. I mean, I, I accept both of you guys as what, what both of you are saying, uh, obviously, but, but it didn't, it didn't, it just didn't bother me that much. Anya, go ahead. Sorry. 
I think that's fine. I think just the concept of they've been like bioengineered, brainwashed or something didn't impact me as much as like being manipulated into doing that because it's like they've been brainwashed so they're not culpable for their own actions. They have no culpability. Yeah. Which just, it doesn't hit as hard. Like this, so I think that's, I, I think that's a very good point. And I think that's a very interesting point of discussion for the film as we go on. And, and, the, re- and the reason I say that is because so Max, you mentioned the scenes from Avengers Age of Ultron, where we do get a pretty good telegraphing of Widow's past, the promise of this film to come that's you know go, that, that we're watching now and that is going to give her story. But I think Anya, I correct me if I'm wrong. What you're saying is that that some of the additive elements, and in this instance, I guess what you're talking about is the is the gas. You know that that, that you know that it's not because the credits the well the credits that you didn't like the montage did imply right that there was this brainwashing thing going on. Max, you said it was like Kubrick. It was like Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Ever in this bang bang one moment so i guess it, in some ways i'm being very soft and and quite a squish and i'm taking both of your sides at the same time but what but basically that in this moment the moment that the gas is released the age of ultron uh, flashback the, the 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 credits all of that is just kind of washed away and it suddenly it suddenly becomes this as you said it you know that none of these women are culpable of anything that they've done because now there's this gas that has them all uh, acting under suggestion as opposed to believing uh, you know uh, uh, these cognitive structures that were implanted in them their whole lives right? Yeah well uh, I agree with all that. Just, um, Natasha wasn't like she was psychologically brainwashed so she is supposed to still be responsible but I feel like that like what you just said is that's like it washes away like everything Yelena did you know? Well, For everybody else yeah for the all for all of the red room in the in the subsequent generation now they don't explain that in this scene so we don't really know why it works i mean that's part of the mystery of the film so that's why it doesn't really bother me that much this could be a criticism of the film and a criticism of the lazy uh, maybe lazy writing but the film does go out of its way to uh the writers go out of their way to remove as much culpability from yelena and even melina as possible I don't think that they do that for Natasha. One of the things I I I I come to like about this film and, and this this mystery pays out over the course of the film is that she is guilty. She is incredibly guilty. She did some things fully willingly and in fact in the service of Shield that she is bothered by to this very day and that drives the drives the 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 climax of the film. And so like Yelena is very hard on herself and we'll find out later on that that's not exactly fair that she's not being fair to her herself whereas i think natasha being hard on herself is actually right natasha does have red in her ledger that she put there it's really not that complicated i got red in my ledger i'd like to wipe it out i don't think and you guys can push back on this in a second i'm going to leave the room and not pay attention to whatever you say but but i don't think yelena has red in her ledger in the same way because of the nature of the conditioning i mean i i get the sense that you think i'm wrong Tell me, feed me data. I do think you're wrong. (laughs) I was hoping that that wasn't the case, but here we go. But that does all take place near the end of the movie. So we could maybe talk about it when we. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, Mason, you're going to say more. I'm sorry. Go on on you. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say what happens next. Oh, tell us. (laughs) She's in Norway. She goes to this trailer with her gun and there's this idiot sleeping in her bed. (laughs) 
Yes. Why is he asleep? And who is this guy? And why do we never get his name? And why does she need him if she's a fucking super spy? Super spies need. She middle- can acquire all of these things on her own. She doesn't she have the connection. She's been out. She's been out of the game of spying. For no, she years. hasn't. But she's had a. She's had a network. Why does she need this nameless man to make her twelve passports? Because I, she doesn't have shield to make her twelve passports anymore. No, she could do it herself. I don't know that she has that skill. Yes, she does. I don't think so. Now, I, I, I don't think I agree with you here. I don't think she could do that. You don't have faith in her. I do have faith in her ability to point her Glock 26. She's a spy. That she doesn't can... mean you can do everything. Jason agrees with me. Jason thinks Scarlett Johansson can do anything. He likes the movie where her brain, where she uses more than 10% of her brain and becomes a god. Well... I mean, actually, uh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, James Bond fan, watched a spy fan, uh, film or two. James Bond needs Q to give him gadgets and to use the, the World Wide Web to do things. I think, I think 007 could come up with a fake passport on his own. Now. Could he come up with 12 of them? Now. Well, now. You never now. read a Black Widow comic book. <laughs> No, so so like so like, uh, and this actually is done in the Bond films, the Daniel Craig Bond films, where he tries to use a credit card for, for MI that given to him by MI six that doesn't work, and he's suddenly like, oh, I don't have any money. <laughs> like that would be a problem. But I but I think that I I think a spy could would find a way. Uh, okay, so I'll continue being the squish. <laughs> Uh, this is a shortcut for her. She doesn't have to do the work because she just shows up with the trailer and he gives her the shit and she moves on. It's lazy. It, I, don't, I don't think she's so. being lazy. Maybe she's being lazy. But I like I think that somebody who's been in Shield for as long as she has been and been with the Avengers as long as she has been would not necessarily have the same connections that she used to. And I don't think and li- and like Jason just said, hyper realistic spy films like James Bond demonstrate that <laughs> that he needs he needs a team of people. He needs a queue and he needs connections. And like so for me, she had like this one old friend who could help her get back into that ghost life. Now that might not be right. That maybe you're right. You're right, Anya. And I, I, I'm in the wrong here. And I, I, I didn't bother me as much. I, I, their acting to me indicated that they were old friends. That she has. That she kind of tries to put boundaries at on that friendship. Well, so I'm afraid I didn't expect to be a referee, but point. I thought I was going to be the referee. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I, I think you've sold me a little bit there because then their exchange, which is very well done, in which he, he, you know, we get the impression they've known each other for a while, and he asks her if anything's wrong. She kind of says, yeah, everything's fine. I have friends. And he says, you know, people who come to me don't have friends. It kind of demonstrates that Natasha's, she has lost her family. And the film doesn't spell this out for us, but we know what that means. The Avengers were her family. And then she says, I'm better off on my own. Now, we don't believe her. We do not believe her. But she is basically, she's so... I guess to defend what what Max is saying, which I, Zanya, I wanted to agree with you. Actually. <laughs> but, um, but sitting here, you know, I'm starting to kind of make connections, uh, character connections that that I hadn't seen before. And she's not been part of this for a while. She's been an Avenger, and now suddenly she's on the run again, and she's having to make these reconnections with these um, these old pipelines. But I mean, Anya, you're right. I mean, we do find that. I mean, this is her trailer, uh, and, and and he's there. There, but so you know, I guess there's a lot of things that we don't know in terms of their past and all this kind of thing. But 
that maybe, maybe, maybe we're seeing an experienced spy who's not been in the pipeline for a while because she's um, she's been helping out, you know, 70-year-old World War II veterans take down Hydra. True. And uh, so I, I actually, my instinct was to support you on that. And I must reluctantly uh, say that I think Max actually has a point. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> I would, I would add one more thing, and then I'll let Anya have the last word. To me, this uh, on this on this on this subject, uh, uh, but to me, a lot of this the sequence with Mason is very much David Mamet style writing. It doesn't give us a lot of backstory. We don't learn a lot about him, but where I think we're supposed to imply a, a, a lot of a lot of what we are supposed to imagine about their relationship is implied by their acting in this scene. It's, it's short and, and, and the film has a lot to do. So I think it's trying to use their interaction to imply a, a long history of these two people are fairly comfortable with each other. You get that sense right away. She trusts him, but she is also putting the brakes on a, uh, on more friendship on, on, on further trust after he says that line that you said, and she's like, you know, I don't pay you to worry about me. So Anya rebut this and, and you have the last word. It's fine. <laughs> I do wonder though, because he walks off into the wilderness after this. Where does he go? That is a little weird. He should have at least gotten into a little Yaris or something and driven yeah. away. But, yeah. but, but, but so, but Anya, it, it, what I'm hearing from you though is that maybe as a Black Widow fan, as somebody that really loves the character, has read the character, there was something that you didn't get from that. Yeah, I mean, in that story in the book I was talking about earlier, she does it all on her own. Like she manipulates Tony Stark into giving her what she needs and she like figures this shit out by herself and she gets where she needs to go you know yeah, yeah. i guess this is a different uh version i, I see that mm-hmm. like i mean i i get that and in fact uh max has convinced me to do a, a podcast about a film that i hate and he loves and i didn't get what i wanted so uh you know our halloween stuff uh, well i i get that i i guess what i would suggest to you is that i think think that on its own terms the scene works is what that's what i'm settling on yeah now i think that i get what you're saying i actually i actually think that that might have been more interesting to show her doing all these things on her own well doesn't doesn't matt damon do that in the born movies yeah uh, he, he 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 opens up no, no he opens up a he opens up a case that I has don't... all of his ids we don't ever see him make it that blackstone organization was the person the people who provided him with that he doesn't make that stuff now we do see him on the run on his own but he, he basically goes to a place where he can be off the grid without a lot of worry i mean i think he goes to like somewhere in India, uh, he still he gets still gets caught though, but uh, or at least found out. But I would have to watch that to see. So I mean, it can be done both ways. No, and- this is. I think you guys have your opinion about this scene, and I guess I expected something different. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 no, um, no, I get that. See, I I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I guess my response would not be to criticize what you're saying, but rather to suggest that 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 I can see where you would want more. I, I can see that. And in fact, I think that I might have wanted more. I, in fact, when you say that, because so folks, I, I Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is probably my favorite character in the MCU. Just because whenever her character is involved in a film, even in kind of a sideline way, that uh, I find her character very interesting. I, fi- I, I always like her as a performer. And and I always think that in, in every film that she's in, uh, Scarlett Johansson is in it as Black Widow. She, uh, she, she's always... 
the most interesting character to follow in terms, I mean, the action scenes, um, the character development. I mean, all of that I've always liked when she's a part of things, her relationship with Tony, her relationship with Steve, they just, they do so much with her. And I guess that I would just suggest that, I mean, I can see that you would want that. I kind of think that I would have wanted it too, but I, I can go along with this because she's been out of the game. That's going to settle on. You had the last word. I and I, I I'm not taking the last word from you. I I think I see what you are saying. Yeah. And also, she's clearly depressed. Yes. Yes. Should we go to the next scene? Let, let us oh, I'm very excited to go to the next scene. The Jason uh, the, scene. Oh, is this the Jason scene? This is. Um, uh, I believe so. Well, she. This is when she goes into town and then oh, she gets well, attacked by uh, Taskmaster. This goes to your point, Anya, about how she should have relied on 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 herself. Trainer <laughs> <laughs> Mason gives her his. It's not up to snuff. Before she goes to town, yeah. the most important programmatic scene of the entire movie, which is there's so many things I like about this movie, but if there's nothing else, if there's no other reason for me to like this movie, it's because Scarlett Johansson probably. One of my favorite performers in Hollywood. (laughs) Playing one of my favorite characters in Hollywood. Watching my favorite James Bond movie in her trailer. And when I saw that, I thought, you had me at Moonraker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's clearly, it's clearly... Black Widow's favorite movie. She's she's quoting it line for line. Oh, well, uh, uh, allow me. You're not a sporting man, Mr. Bond. Why did you break off the encounter with my pet python? Well, I discovered he had a crush on me. And she quotes along with him, and I missed it because I was quoting along with the line. <laughs> that's actually really sad, though. But that's her favorite movie because she wants to be like him. She wants, be, she wants to be a good guy. That's a good point. You know, I hadn't thought yeah. about why that might be. Wow, that's a. I hadn't thought about that. I didn't think about that either. But as Jason was saying, though, I was like, that is heartbreaking. <laughs> it kind of. She does. wants to be Roger Moore, not Sean Connery. That's she wants to be the badass. Right. He wants to be the good guy that, that gets the girl. Yeah. Well, no, that's interesting. I mean, it kind of dovetails with her depression that she's she's like punishing herself by watching Moonraker. Yeah. But then, Jason, then... Jason doesn't think that's possible. You can't punish yourself by watching. Oh, is that punishment? Well, she then gets blown up by Taskmaster. Yes. And she now, thinks that General Ross is after her. Well, because the greatest tragedy in the film takes place because there's nothing worse than the power going out when you're watching Moonraker. <laughs> this is this is the this is the this is really the dramatic lever that gets the rest of the movie going. <laughs> At least for Jason. <laughs> Very true. Jason, Jason would have been. Jason would have gone on this adventure just to get the power back on, so he could finish <laughs> watching Moonraker. But That's right. But but yeah. So the generator cuts out, and she drives into town, and that's where she gets attacked. She's carrying with her. She got something from a safe house from Budapest. She got uh, mail Budapest. from Budapest. <laughs> We're not going to duplicate that scene in this in this podcast. <laughs> she got mail from Yelena because Yelena is at the yes. Budapest. Safe yes. house. And, and, and Natasha doesn't even bother to look into it. She's going to throw it all away. Yeah. And then hey, she gets- go ahead, Anya. I, I, I just have a, I, uh, a, a, a suggestion about an in-joke. Go ahead. Okay. 
Okay, but then she gets blown up and she realizes this guy is after the the red goo in her box. And then she gets thrown into the river and is on her way to Budapest. Yes, yes. Hashed. <laughs> Jason, uh, go ahead with your suggestion. Okay, if memory serves, and I could be wrong, and, and listeners and you two, you can go back and, and listen. But I've watched the Avengers, the first Avengers movie many times. It's it's really one of my favorites to this day. I know a lot of people have outgrown it, but I still love it. When uh, Hawkeye and, and Widow are fighting the aliens, she says, this reminds me of of Budapest. And he says, you and I remember Budapest very differently. That's how they say it. Is it? I felt that was an in-joke, yeah. Oh, I'm sure that it was. Oh, I'm sure that it was, yeah. Or did Asha. I have no idea what the proper way to say Budapest is, so I'm going to go with uh, Mason on this one, and you guys can go with Scarlett Johansson, uh, or rather Natasha Romanoff. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that then she then ends up in Budapest. That's true, but I want to, before we move on from there, I want to say that this first instance with the Taskmaster, where we see him in action, I really like the way the stunt actor moves in this. I didn't know what I was going to expect from the Taskmaster because I didn't know how they were going to do him uh, in this film. But in this film, he's he's almost kind of spooky the way he is almost reptilian the way he approaches the attack. It's a, it's a predator looking at the prey. There's no emotion in anything that he does. He's got a mission. And that's how that's how Natasha realizes that she's not the mission when he thinks he's subdued her or defeated her. He turns to the primary mission and that's when she's like, oh, this is not about me. It's about whatever's in that case. And that's that's what sets off the next chain of events. And I really dug this action scene. I like I liked everything about the Taskmaster's design, which is different from the comic book. I thought it was a really intimidating character they created. Did you guys have any like visceral response to Taskmaster? Or did you just like, were you okay with it? It was good. <laughs> <laughs> Anya with her gift of understatement. Jason, what did you think? Well, I guess, I mean, actually, my reaction is a bit more positive than than, than Anya's reaction right there. <laughs> but not but not as fully I don't I don't think I fully endorse it as you do. I thought it was uh, a suspenseful moment. I didn't necessarily see it coming because I kind of missed in the box that the that the um, that the case was in there. Yeah. The first time I watched it, gotcha. I, I didn't notice it. And so when the attack happened, I, I did jump a bit. Uh, no, no, that's but, a valid point. Now, they, they could have because I didn't really get that there was something in the box either on any of my viewings until Natasha figures out that there's something in the box. And maybe. Yeah. Maybe, and, and, and that could have been a conscious decision on the part of the director to surprise us all with that, but maybe it would have been an interesting idea to kind of linger on the box of stuff from Budapest to kind of hint to us that that was important in a way that, because I kind of go with Natasha, it's not important, I don't throw it in the trash. I, I didn't seem like there was going to be, there was no hint that that was an important plot point. So, I totally agreed. I felt that in terms of suspense, it was a gripping scene. Yeah. But I'm kind of curious, Anya, if you would go back and just give a little bit more detail about how you responded to the scene. Because I, okay, so I liked the scene. I'm being a squish. <laughs> I liked the scene. But one of the things that did occur to me while I was watching it was I thought about action scenes in Captain America, the first Avenger. I, I thought about action scenes in Captain America, the Winter Soldier that involved the widow, that involved her fighting uh, the Winter Soldier that were very gripping. And I thought about those scenes while I was watching this. And there was a certain amount of dissatisfaction. I thought that also. I thought that we've had so many MCU movies and we've had, we've got such a high standard of fight scenes 
scenes so this one wasn't as exciting as stuff like what was in Civil War or uh, the second Captain America movie or even the first one or her fight when when she first kicks ass in Iron Man 2 oh yeah 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 yeah. it was it was fine it wasn't the the best that we've seen though oh no no I I wouldn't wouldn't say that either I just thought that the 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 body language of the Taskmaster was really interesting yeah Max okay scary so Max yeah you you caught a um a, a visual language that was a little bit more than than just the fight scene yeah like, almost like a, a horror element it it's, was yeah and I, I i thought that that was just really a neat way to approach the taskmaster and because uh, the taskmaster is 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 a much different character in the comic book he's a kind of cocky guy um i mean one, i know in one of the issues i have there's a moment where he's like really jazzed that he's actually doing well against captain america and about to beat him maybe and then he's like then i'm gonna have to take on the avengers i'm out and he, he bailed. <laughs> and so he's, he's kind of an interesting character and so this kind of gave us a, a new idea about what the taskmaster could be and how he could perform and you know we learned that he mimics uh everybody's uh actions not right away but i don't think we learned that here i think his body language is scary because if i'm remembering i don't think his shoulders move that much when he's walking it's very still yeah it's, it's um well if you if, if you guys have ever seen it uh, this uh, this gets shown in the movie uh, not in the movie but in the documentary uh by david attenborough called the hunt i think and there's this moment where a cheetah is chasing down a gazelle and as the as the the cheetah's body goes this way or that way its head never moves it's always locked on its prey and it's almost like on a on a gimbal or something so that its head is always it never it never ever the head never moves and so it's 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 this very kind of spooky almost a graceful jason Voorhees, maybe is what i might want to say here but yeah. I, th- I think that the taskmaster is very effective in the scene i uh oh i'm gonna say something that might upset my co-host here i've never really liked many of scarlett johansson's fight scenes in the mcu oh no what I, I I never really have. I don't I don't like the character because of her fight scenes. When she jumps up and does the scissor takedown from professional wrestling, I'm like, oh no, that doesn't work. You can never only do only because you've been doing jujitsu for like twenty five years. <laughs> I mean <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. But but uh I, I mean they're not all they're not terrible or anything like that. They're just not my favorite part of the character. Um well then, well, then how can you accept this one? I accept what I accept is how cool the taskmaster is in this scene. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, that's Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I, I love I love Black Widow and I, I like the character a lot. I like it when she's doing the gun stuff. I like it when she's doing all that. But I've seen that scissor takedown where she grabs the head. And I was happy to see that somebody foiled it. In, in this case, the Taskmaster, because it just this doesn't work unless unless you're like leaping Lanny Poffo, which is a WWF reference that I don't think either of you get. But there will be a listener who will be like, oh my God, he knows about that guy. But yeah, I I, 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 I I like that they I like the build for the Taskmaster's toughness. I dig that. Yeah, but you know, I accept what you're saying about the choreography for her. But as a film watcher, and I think this is what I think this is what Anya and I are getting at. There's a certain uh, in terms of the editing, the choreography. There is something about her fight scenes in the earlier films that are exciting, and I don't think this scene lands that. Oh, this scene doesn't land that. No, no. Actually, and and I'll have to I'll have to say here, my, my uh, though there are a couple of fight scenes later on. Well, I, I think this is some of her best fight choreography in in her entire MCU uh, tenure. Uh, with uh, which we'll get to in a minute when she gets to Budapest. But I, I mean, I think that this is her best outing. This this scene 
doesn't show that, I don't think, um, in terms of fight choreography. But like I said, I think it does a good job of building Taskmaster. And so we get to Budapest. She she realizes when she unrolls the uh, the secret gas that, that frees people, there's a picture from the old days, a little picture of her and her sister. And so she knows that Yelena's in Budapest. And she goes and, and finds her sister there. Anya, did you want to lead us through this scene here real quick? Or did you have anything you want to say? Well, they meet and they immediately start fighting each other. Yes. Which I thought was unnecessary. <laughs> because this is one of the good fights though. How many times <laughs> have you seen this happen in a movie? How many times indeed? But to answer that question, you're going to have to join us next week for part two of our Black Widow coverage. There is a danger in getting three comic book nerds together to talk about a comic book movie. We just go off the rails. So there's a lot of content that we have recorded that I've got to try and turn into episodes. So anyway, see you next week for part two. In the meantime, if you can, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get noticed, if you like us anyway. Uh, give us that review. Share us with all your friends. Share us on social media. Share us on the Twitters, the Facebooks, the uh, Instagrams. What else can you share us? Where else can you share us? I don't know. You guys know. You can email us at lordmovies39.gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.